the name of God, who is beyond names. Amen. Every once in a while, the lectionary throws out a text that sort of knocks me off center, gets me thinking all week. This week's text from the book of Hebrews was one of those. Hebrews is some of the most complicated Greek of the New Testament. It's a tangle to read in English and hard to parse out exactly what's going on. But effectively, in the old days, today's passage from the book of Hebrews tells us God met the people of Israel on the mountain. And as the people waited at the base of the slope, Moses climbed to the top, and then the mountain would shake violently as a cloud surrounded it, and God would begin to speak to Moses in a voice like thunder, warning the people not to touch the mountain on penalty of death. This was a terrifying God, a God who couldn't be approached, a God who inspired fear. These days, Hebrews says, God doesn't come to us in a cloud on a mountain. Instead, the God we meet is seated in heaven on the throne of judgment, surrounded by innumerable angels and by the souls of all the faithful who have gone before, which frankly I don't find a good deal more comforting. Either way, Hebrews tells us, God should be approached with fear and trembling. This is the ruler of the universe, God of power and holiness, God who inspires reverence and awe. As the text puts it, how will we escape if we reject the God who warns us from heaven? And I have to admit, I've spent the week struggling with this text. Is this what God is really like? this terrifying God of judgment? And when I pray, which God do I meet? Do I meet the loving and forgiving Jesus who healed the sick woman? Or do I meet that remote God that speaks from thunder? When I ask for help and forgiveness, which God answers? I think many of us carry deep in our hearts two different ideas of what God might be like. We're good liberal Episcopalians, and so on the surface we believe that God is loving, accepting, forgiving. But buried deep in there, sometimes, is a secret fear that God might be an angry God, that God might disapprove of us, that in the end God might judge us and find us wanting. I see this fear come up often in conversations with people at the end of their lives or during times of grief or distress. These folks aren't religious conservatives, they're not biblical literalists, but yet in times of stress and transition, that other, darker idea of God pops up unexpectedly, and they find themselves afraid of God, wondering if they've failed. And I think more of us struggle with that, perhaps, than we'd like to admit. We might believe that God is love, but deep inside we carry a fear that that's not the whole story. A friend who's a lot more scholarly than I am recently referred me to the writing of an early church theologian who has the unbelievable name of Pseudo-Dionysus the Areopagite. 
for purposes of convenience, we'll call him Dionysus. And Dionysus, who wrote in the 6th century, says that when we come up against one of these passages in the Bible that brings up our worst fears of what God might be like, we should be thankful. Because, he says, when we read or think about God as loving and forgiving, God as light or truth, we say, oh, that's nice, and then we keep going on with our day. We get lulled into thinking that we understand the mystery of who God is. But when we read something that disturbs us, he uses Psalm 78 as an example, which compares God to a drunken, bloodthirsty warrior waking up from a nap. When we read something like that or something like today's text from Hebrews, it makes us stop short. And those moments of being shocked and disturbed are moments, he says, of great spiritual promise. Because those moments invite us to realize the inadequacy of any human language to talk about God. Those moments invite us to realize that any description of God, any language about God, falls short. Dionysus calls these passages goads. A goad is a pointed stick that you would use to prod a lazy cow or an ox to get it going in a new direction. We're goaded to think, of course, God isn't a drunken warrior. We're goaded to wonder why that language might have been used. We're prodded to see the language as metaphorical. We're prodded to think why one person might have used that language at a particular time. And we're invited to realize that if God isn't exactly a drunken warrior, then maybe God isn't exactly an angry judge either. And maybe God isn't exactly love or light or truth. God lies above and beyond all language. All our images of God, all our ideas about what God is like, from the most simple to the most complex, ultimately fall apart in the face of the reality of the divine. Our secret image of God as judgmental is a human idea. It's not the truth. Our idea of God is pure love and acceptance, much, much closer. We know that. We feel that there's deep truth in it, but it's still a human idea and not the full truth. We have to realize, Dionysus says, that all our ideas fall short, and realizing that drives us to seek God. And to seek God, he says, we have to climb Mount Sinai like Moses did. At first, we climb by using language and ideas to approach God, drawing on our scripture, on our tradition, on our experiences. And some ideas are better and truer than others. Love and light are better images for God than an angry judge. But then the time always comes when we're goaded to climb past the images and ideas to that cloud on the top of the mountain. So I was driving into church this morning. There was a cloud just like that, the top of Mount Tam. We're goaded to climb into that cloud and into the very presence of God. And there, as one commentator puts it, after all speaking, reading, and comprehending of names ceases, there follows a divine silence, darkness, and unknowing. And the very silence and darkness and unknowing of that cloud aren't deprivations. 
They're the very presence of God. Because when we're in the cloud, we recognize that we can't see. And we're forced to acknowledge that God is God, that God's in charge, and we're not. And we have to realize that all of our efforts to control and explain God don't work. And so they fall away. And we're left in the presence of God, who's unpredictable, incomprehensible, beyond words. We're forced to let go and just be in that presence. Of course, we can't stay on top of the mountain for very long. We're only human. And it's normal that we need to descend again into the world of language and ideas. But maybe as we come down off the mountain, we're goaded to do some thinking. We can take the time to bring our secret fears about who God might be to the surface and confront them instead of burying them. We can look directly at our fear that God might be angry and punishing and realize that's just a human idea. It's not truth. And more painfully, we can examine our idea of God as love and realize that even the word love cannot hold the fullness of who God is. These goads help us to hold all our ideas of God a bit more lightly. They help us to be open to being surprised by God. To let go of any ideas that might be more about what we've picked up from our culture or what our parents taught us than about the truth of who God is. Paradoxically, recognizing that God is beyond us, beyond words and ideas, can help us to build a more whole and a more integrated image of God. One that has room for both unconditional love and anger at injustice. One that has room for both gentleness and fierceness, acceptance and challenge. The book of Hebrews invites us to view God with reverence and awe. And we live in a world that's not very good at either of those things. But perhaps they're the only responses to a God who is too big for words, but a God who still chooses to meet us in love. Amen.
Good morning. Please be seated. For the prayers of the people this morning, I um, ask you to please bring voice to those prayers that are deep within your heart and with the support of this community of St. John's, offer them up to the Lord. I ask prayers once again for uh, little Andrew Levy, whose cancer has returned. Um, He is two now. And also for our grandson, Gregory, who is, it says Gregory Leary, and it's Gregory Beery, um, that he can find solace and that God can reach out to him. I ask prayers for my good friend, Jeff Parton, who had big-time eye surgery at uh, UCSF and uh, is recovering. He was virtually blind, blind and uh, he now has a little sight. Pray for Jeff. I ask your prayers for my daughter-in-law, Brooklyn, who suffers from really terrible migraines that are getting worse and is looking for various solutions, uh, surgical and others. Thank you. I pray for Carter, my little brother, up in heaven. I want to ask the congregation to pray, um, if you haven't already, (laughs) to for the Jbara family of Tulsa, Oklahoma, whose son was uh, murdered in cold blood in their front yard just this past Friday. Uh, The the, uh, news has reached um, the national level, and the family is getting a a lot of support from their neighbors and the community, which we're very grateful for. Um, My prayer is that uh, this uh, goes beyond the news cycle. Um, the, the crime was a hate crime, and I pray uh, for justice uh, for the deceased um, and for this sort of thing not to happen again. Uh, I'd like to say a prayer for David Gilmore, longtime parishioner. I'd like to offer a prayer of thankfulness, as is said in the hymn, songs of thankfulness and praise, that you saw fit, O Lord God, to send Lenora Alfred to us. 
for the time that she was here and the beautiful gifts that she has brought from you to us. Bless her journey and give her all our love. I want to give thanks for this prayerful community and the ministry of prayers for healing for people and that we have here. Um, and I'd like to ask, especially for prayers for my husband, whose double vision is deteriorating, and um, he's doing well under the circumstances, but um, it's challenging. And I'd like prayers for all the kids starting back to school and special thanks for Lenore, and I've appreciated the way she's found women composers that we could hear and introduce us and educate us. And prayers for justice and this insane presidential race cycle for all of us, that sanity, balance of some kind, and mercy and justice will return. I'd like to offer a prayer of thanksgiving to everyone who prayed for me and offered love and support during my recent illness. Everything is okay now, as far as we know, so uh, I want to again offer thanksgiving. Thank you. I want to offer prayers for all of those who have lost their lives and also homes in the fires in California. And also all those who have lost lives and homes in Louisiana and Texas and the lower Midwest. I'd like to offer thanksgiving for all the wonderful friends I have in this community. And I'd also like to um, lift up in prayer some particular friends as we all of a similar age who are dealing with the worries and concerns of the health of parents, in particular, um, Linda and Lorray and Leslie and Jennifer, as our roles change from looking after our own children or our own lives to, to the worrying and looking after of our aging parents. Like continued prayers for Edmund Harlick that he find his way and my godson, Nicholas Harlick. Thanks. God, our rock and refuge, keep us safe in your care and strengthen us with your grace, that we may pray to you faithfully and love one another boldly, following the example of Jesus, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives forever and ever. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry 
and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you. Forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. My sisters and brothers in Christ, may the peace of the Lord and the joy of the Holy Spirit be always with you. invite you to be seated for the announcements. Again, welcome to St. John's. We're going to have a few uh, announcements. Following the announcements, the ushers will come through the congregation and take a uh, collection to support the ministry of St. John's and ask for your generous contributions. We have credit card uh, contribution forms with envelopes and the P-Racks. encourage you to use those. Uh, and if you already support St. John's through uh, prearranged giving, online giving, stock, foundation gifts, I encourage you to use the red stewardship card in Connect and put that in the offering plate as a sign of your offering today. And if you can assist the ushers by passing the plates down the aisle, that's always appreciated. Please uh, join us uh, for coffee hour in the parish hall after the service. More about that in just a moment. And if you'd like more information about St. John's, Please fill out one of the welcome cards uh, in the pew rack and put it in the offering plate. I encourage you to read uh, Connect and take a copy of it with you. Track all the different activities going on at St. John's and you'll have a copy of our prayer list to pray for those people. A few items to highlight today. Uh, today, following the service, we will have a special celebration of the ministry of Dr. Lenore Alford, who's so wonderfully served as our music director for seven years and will be leaving at the end of the month 
Next Sunday is her last Sunday, but we have our parish weekend next Sunday. So uh, we'll have more people here, so we're doing it today. So I hope all of you will come into the parish hall for a special celebration of Lenore following the service, food, cake, and a few designated speakers. So a great celebration. We are putting together under the direction of the vestry a welcome team, uh, also working with our director of stewardship, and that is... uh, to help welcome and greet visitors, newcomers, people interested in St. John's. So there's a a blurb in Connect with information about a meeting coming up on Tuesday, August 30th from 5 to 6. And then added bonus, you get to stay and go to dinner church. So uh, please consider joining our welcome team. Speaking of welcome, welcome Sunday at St. John's will be September 11th. We'll have our great uh, parish barbecue following the 10 o'clock service and a ministry fair. And they say the number one thing that gets people to go to a church is personal invitation. So I encourage you to invite a friend to church or to one of the church activities. A word from Ann Doyle. So my, it's definitely not fruitcake weather yet, but it's coming up very fast. As we all know, the fall just flies. Um, We are going to be, once again this year, having our wonderful presentation of A Christmas Memory and the boutique that goes along with it. The date is actually December 2nd, Friday, and 3rd, Saturday. So for all of you crafters and bakers and jam makers, we are in full force. I'm looking right at you, June. (laughs) So yeah, June and Jane are already on it. Yes. Anyways, um, so come see me about crafts and about doing, um, making things for the boutique. Also, start to think about inviting your friends, personally inviting your friends to join us at um, the production of the wonderful story of A Christmas Memory. It's a perfect weekend for it. It just starts off the Christmas season great. And uh, so talk to me afterwards. Uh, We are in full swing. Things are going to start happening fast. So come talk to me if you're interested in joining the fun. And yes, it's tons of fun. Thanks. Thank you so much, Ann. Appreciate it. Finally, uh, draw your attention to the announcement about uh, the burial service for David Gilmore that will take place here at St. John's Saturday, September 3rd at 2 p.m. As we are all guests at Jesus' table, we welcome everyone without exception to share in celebrating and receiving the sacred meal of the Holy Eucharist. If you need a gluten-free communion wafer, please indicate that to the priest. And now let us with gratitude make an offering of our life and labor to our God.
The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. God of all power, ruler of the universe, you are worthy of glory and praise. Glory to you forever and ever. At your command, all things came to be, the vast expanse of interstellar space, galaxies, suns, the planets in their courses, and this fragile earth, our island home. By your will, they were created and have their being. From the primal element, you brought forth the human race and blessed us with memory, reason, and skill. You made us the rulers of creation, but we turned against you and betrayed your trust, and we turned against one another. Have mercy, Lord, for we are sinners in your sight. Again and again, you called us to return. Through prophets and sages, you revealed your righteous law. And in the fullness of time, you sent your only Son, born of a woman, to fulfill your law, to open for us the way of freedom and peace. By his blood, he reconciled us. By his wounds, we are healed. And therefore, we praise you, joining with the heavenly chorus, with prophets, apostles, and martyrs, and with all those in every generation who have looked to you in hope to proclaim with them your glory in their unending And so, Father, we who have been redeemed by him and made a new people by water and the Spirit, now bring before you these gifts. Sanctify them by your Holy Spirit to be the body and blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread, said the blessing, broke the bread and gave it to his friends and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine, gave thanks, and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of of me. Remembering now his work of redemption and offering to you this sacrifice of thanksgiving, we celebrate his death and resurrection as we await.
Lord God of our forebears, God of Abraham, Isaac, Ishmael, and Jacob, God of Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, Hagar, and Rachel, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, open our eyes to see your hand at work in the world about us. Deliver us from the presumption of coming to this table for solace only and not for strength, for pardon only and not for renewal. Let the grace of this Holy Communion make us one body, one spirit in Christ, that we may worthily serve the world in his name. Risen Risen Lord, Lord, known known to us in the breaking of the bread. Accept these prayers and praises, Father, through Jesus Christ, our great high priest, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit, your church gives honor, glory, and worship from generation to generation. Now let us pray in the words that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Holy things for holy people. Be what you see and receive who you are.
We continue with the post-communion prayer on page 11 of the bulletin. invite you to stand or kneel for this prayer. Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. The blessing of our God, eternal majesty, incarnate word and Holy Spirit be upon you this day and remain with you always. Amen. Invite anyone celebrating a birthday, anniversary, or other occasion of Thanksgiving to come forward. All right. If you can tell us who you are and what you're celebrating. Um, I'm celebrating the birth of my sixth grandchild. Uh, His ninth birthday is tomorrow, and he lives in France, so nobody's met him. But he is adorable, and his name is Clovis. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm celebrating tomorrow the birth of my grandson, Maxie, who's going to be eight, And it has been eight of the most joyful years of my life. And I thank God for every moment of his time here with me. (laughs) I'm celebrating.